into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Heart of Midlothian Football Club, what? You normally have something. Are they just the Heart of Midlothian Football Club this week? I don't always. I mean, most of the time. Do do we not remember anything this week? I mean, we're still third. We're still Scottish Cup finalists. We're still fan owned. All of those are very important. <laughs> no, but I can't just regurgitate those every time. I mean, well, I'm sure we're going to regurgitate one of many ideas that we've had in the previous three million episodes for <laughs> today's kind of discussion point. Uh, hello, how how are you? And and thank you for staying awake during the ninety minutes on Saturday against Ross County. <laughs> You're. You're quite welcome. It wasn't the most entertaining of matches. That's the that's what you expect at this point when you've wrapped up third and don't have much to play for. After the we you know we were treated to a marvelous uh, spectacle at Tanadice, which maybe surprised a few of us, given Hearts had nothing to play for. But I still don't I still don't like this. We have nothing to play for. They've got a lot to play for. Have nothing to play for in the league. If you yeah. add in the league to it, because they've got plenty to play for this season. And and yes, as much as the week before, fair. some players like Josh Ginelli probably played his way into Robbie Nielsen's thoughts for the cup final. He's probably just played his way out of that as well. So it's yeah. about consistency over these games. No, I, I, that is a fair point. Admonishment um, over. Uh, and yes, but we will probably talk very briefly about Heart of Midlothian against Ross County, which took place on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about European football again, why not? It's it's on its way. We've mentioned it a few times, but we'll we'll keep talking about it because we've we've missed it and we're gonna get at least eight games for Hearts oh, next season in the continent. So good. Which is so which good. is fantastic. So let's let's enjoy it every week. And mm-hmm. uh, we we maybe will have time to look ahead to the Celtic game this weekend, but um, if we don't, I don't think anyone will be too bothered about that. <laughs> Okay, first up, before the Ross County game... Um, yeah, you, 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 I, first up, first up um, there's only two of us this week. There because, is. Uh, because, and, and let's, we'll get to Hearts in a minute, this is more important. So, so Gauzo's on his way back to, um, to Kuwait because he's, he's had a few days um, with the family. And we now have this dilemma because Ryan, it's not like he's playing for Hearts and he knows he's pretty much every fixture at the start of the season. You know what dates roughly or what weekends you're playing. Ryan seems to get his fixtures the week before or you're playing X on this date and whatever. So he's just found out he's got a game on the 21st. No. He's also got, yeah, hold on. He's got a game before that, though. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most obvious opportunity ever to... Oh, sorry, Ref, I didn't see the, 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 the opposition's face when I... Try to punch midair <laughs> and get suspended. So, how is Ryan going to get suspended 
for the game on the 21st so he can nip home to be at Hamden? That's the big question. That's why he's not here today. He's coming up with ideas on the flight back as to how he can get suspended. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean... What would you do? What would I do? You can't, I mean, you can't make, it's going to be sleek. You can't make it obvious. Yeah. You can't just go and leather something. Oh, because that's... No, you're not going to wear that. How would you sly and sleekly get sent off so you'd be available to fly home to watch your team play in the cup final? Um, <laughs> I've got to be careful here just in case. Well, it's us. We're not professional players. We're not we're no, saying I mean, that Ryan should do this. We're just saying what would be the best way for him to do such a thing. Uh, I suppose if you're going to say without not making it too obvious, you know, jumping in for a two-footer when it's you know middle of your own half you know, and you're not... Um, you're not a Hibs midfielder when you're just about to maybe get back into a cup semi-final uh, you probably yeah get yourself a book in in a you know not a ridiculous fashion and then I don't know maybe just uh yeah kind of innocuous but a couple of bookings maybe right, less it? obvious than just a two-footed lunge or like you say just turning around and smashes someone in the face it's like the game on the 21st and the 22nd of december when you know you're playing on either christmas day or boxing day and you're one booking away from missing the festive period and family and christmas lunch without having to worry about the game and it's uh, oh you just so happened to pick up that booking it certainly happened way back i'm sure it did i'm not sure it happens as much these days but this is important for gauzer not the fact he plays for some team in QA and they've already wrapped up the league and they've still got goodness knows how many cup ties. He wants to see his team play at Hamden. So how does he do it? Indeed. Uh, I don't know if it's homework. Um, no, it's not. It's just, no. I'm just asking how sleek it you are. You're clearly not sleek it enough. No, obviously not. Obviously not. Well, I mean, what I was going to ask you, though, yeah, yes. is, uh, now, mm. I had a dream. Oh, um, oh, oh, whoa. Andy Cameron. <laughs> No, so I had a hearts-related dream, and I you know, well, like, you're serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I genuinely yeah. had. I, now I've had lots of hearts-related dreams in the past, and I can't actually I have really too, yeah. remember uh, most of them anymore. But um, I had this dream the other morning, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to talk about it because I'll forget about it. So I quickly noted it down on my phone and sent myself a message. I want to see if you, <laughs> I want to see if you can make head or tail of the dream because okay. So it was a Scottish Cup semi-final, which mm. I know doesn't make sense. We just went past the semi-final. It was at Hamden and we were playing Celtic mm-hmm. and we were getting, we were getting pumped. But Craig Gordon was playing for both teams. <laughs> so Whoa. I know. And I was like, I remember being like, I was commentating. I was really gutted because they were giving great, you know, they were giving it, giving it large to Craig Gordon because we were, they, we were getting pumped by them. But then Celtic got a corner late on, and it were, I think they were like three 0 up. And Craig Gordon from Celtic came up and scored a header against Craig Gordon of Hearts, <laughs> and celebrated with an aeroplane going back to the other, other end of the ground while the other Craig Gordon was fuming. And um, but the, the, then the announcer called him David Gordon, the one who just scored for Celtic. And um, then I lost Hearts TV connection when trying to summarize the game. Oh, I know how that feels. But that's, yeah, that's just life. So uh, I can work out though. Wait, who, who, was, like, who was the announcer? Was it Graham? Oh, I don't know. Normally does uh, it hand the games or was it Scott Wilson uh, who came out of retirement? Because I uh, sent Scotty a message saying, No, it, would, no, it was a hey, hand announcer. Tom Brady did it. 
Jeff Stelling's done it. Basically saying, that's it, I'm done, no more. And then, oh, I'm back. And he's like, no, Hall, was his response. So maybe, well, maybe it was him. So he, what does that he mean? Announced, what does it mean? You eat cheese before bed? Um, not usually. I don't think I had. I, I just couldn't work. Drink heavily before bed? Yeah, no, the weekend. No, no, this is midweek. Just, so just two, two Craig Gordons, it's reminiscent yeah. of two Andy Gorhams way back in the day. So we were getting pumped um, at Hamden, but it was by Celtic. And Craig Gordon was playing for both teams. And Craig Gordon scored against Craig Gordon. What is, is that? Craig Gordon is, should have done better. He should have actually. It was like a looping header. Kind of. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Ask Craig. Craig listens. What is well? You can, yeah, you can. You you ask Craig because you you he gets in touch with you after the podcast sometimes. What does I that mean? Be staying, I think he'll be staying well clear of this. But he, he didn't even get called Craig. He got called Dave or Davy by the. The by announcer the called him David Gordon. The Gordon. That well, maybe. Scored. I think his dad might be called Davy. See, I anyway, wondered that. I don't. I don't know that. But I wondered if you were going to tell me that when I said that. I think his dad's called Davy. I'm sure. I'm sure his dad's called Davy. Anyway, well, okay. wow. I couldn't make. I, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't. Get, I couldn't understand it because obviously there's an element of, oh, I'm worried about we're going we're going to get pumped at Hamden, but, but why was Craig Gordon playing for both teams and scoring against himself? His dad is Davy. Oh, is it okay? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if I would have known that. That might just be complete coincidence. From a goalkeeper. Oh, actually, maybe I think I've heard that before, but whether it would have maybe deep in my subconscious. But what does it mean? I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> Can't answer that. I mean, I've had, well, I've, had, had a, I've had more, I've had more hearts nightmares than hearts dreams because that was a bit of a nightmare. We were getting pumped a little bit. Um, I actually had a real life nightmare to do with hearts. So okay. I think I've told you this I've before. Lots of them. <laughs> One of my former teachers was John Frame at Pennycook High School. John mm-hmm. Frame was um, did history teaching, and he was the umpire for the 1992 Wimbledon final. Andre Agassi, I think it was against Edinburgh. And um, I, a couple of the boys that, that, that were ball boys at Tynecastle. So John was also in charge of the early 90s. John was in charge of the ball boys at Tynecastle. And I don't know how I got roped into this, but I ended up being a ball boy in a midweek game at Tynecastle. And how can I put this? The clothes that they had for me didn't fit. This is a true, true story. So, so the upper half did, but lower half didn't um, because I'm kind of a bigger lad and I was always very tall. But it looked like, you know, the Parata pants that Rafa Nadal wears, the three-quarter shorts, they were meant yeah. to be all the way down, but they kind of came up like my shin. And I stood in front. <laughs> this is I stood in front of the of the terrace of the shed. Stood in that corner, just in front of the benches. And look, no one gave a toss. No one was even paying any attention to the fact that that um, my trousers were kind of three quarters of the way down and, and didn't go any further. But I had a horrible Marky. nightmare that night. Something like that. I had a horrible nightmare that night that. Everyone was laughing at me. And they normally do anyway. But the shed all kind of sang whatever they sang. I don't know. I was just, what would that be? I would be 15, 14 or 15 at the time. But yeah, I can't remember what game it was, but it was a midweek game around about 92 or 93. And I was a ball boy for the only time in my life. Don't even know if I caught the ball. All I remember was that you must have other trousers that fit me. Nope, that's all we've got. 
where am I going? Oh, you're standing in front of the benches near the shed. And then I had a nightmare that night. So yeah, that's that's what I got. But that's based on kind of fact. Yours is based yeah. on fiction. Yeah, I mean, that. I get the, I get the, you probably get this as well. I get the recurring, we call it a nightmare, but the recurring dream of panic that I'm, the hearts are about to play and I've got the times wrong and I'm like at home and the game kicks off in like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but that's like, one. I think that's people probably do have, you know, dream about they've messed up work or, or other things that they're meant to go to. But have you, have if, you if you're have listening, you ever miss, have you ever missed kickoff? Um, I was very close to, there was a game we played at home. It might've been against Celtic actually, or Rangers, but the train, um, I missed the train. I was meant to, get on first and then the next train was delayed so i got into haymarket about quarter to three um and i phoned a taxi ahead and i messaged phil and said look i'll probably be in as the game starts i will get there but it'll be touch and go so um he's like it's fine i'll jump on with with jimmy for the pre-match stuff so Ran out of the station, jumped in the taxi, I'd booked that was waiting, got up to Tyne Castle, ran in, got up the steps, and as the uh, teams were pre- prepared to kick off, I kind of jumped up and got the, got the headset from Phil, who'd been holding the fort, and I think I literally started speaking as the first touch of the game um, was made. So, not almost, but just about made I've it. Only, but if, I've, only, I've only been late once, but I would, never as a commentator, because you're always there so early. It yes, was yeah. August 94. It was a League Cup tie at Dumbarton, and um, we got dropped off. Not where the, the the bus driver got lost, basically not lost on his way to the game, but lost on his way from the bar to whichever bar we were in to Boghead at the time, and and we were we were late, and I think we won it four nil. But um, that was probably the only time I think I've, I've missed kickoff because the bus driver um, got lost on his way to the game and ended up just dropping us off outside somebody's house and we ran because we could see the don't even know if it would be in floodlights because it would have been eight August time but we could kind of we knew we were in the vicinity so we ran through somebody's garden and they had their washing up and everything like that and we ended up getting <laughs> into the ground by the turnstiles wherever they were at Boghead but that's probably the only time I think I've ever been been late for a game I mean I've missed I've missed kickoff loads of times as a fan just because being in the pub and stuff, not, not as a commentator. I missed the first half the first time quite... I went to Hamden. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was Scotland, Croatia, and it was just um, the M8 was just completely congested, mm. completely gridlocked. So we listened to the national anthem in the car, and then they let us <laughs> into the let us through the turnstiles at half time to watch the second half of a nil nil draw. Anyway, if this is quite point, the tangent uh, from, from, a, from a dream. It is. Well, I was going to ask if, if anyone's had any hearts dreams, let us know, because I'm sure there must be some interesting ones out there. If you've had any recently, you know, if it's about you've got dreams or nightmares ahead of the cup final, or don't know, or just anything in the past, however weird and wacky, as long as it's, you know, clean, um, let us know at around the funnel or, e- or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So that tangent was maybe got a bit dull, but probably still not as dull as Heart of Midlothian against Ross County, which took place on Saturday, which we'll talk about very briefly. Um, Just one change to the Heart side that emerged victorious at Tannadice. Uh, Basically, the the team that ended the first half 
at Tannadice started this game. So Ben Woodburn came in for Aaron McInef, which meant it was Craig Gordon and goals, Moore, Sibic, Cochrane back three, Atkinson right, Gary Mackay, Stephen left, Haring and Woodburn in the centre, and Janelli and Mackay supporting Liam Boyce. Um, it's a game, Mark, that did, I know I know you you're correct. It's not we have nothing to play for. There's a cup final. We need to keep we need to keep momentum. We need to keep fitness and sharpness up. But there isn't that same incentive in these games to get points on the board. And it did show a little bit on Saturday. And I think Ross County eventually, as the game wore on, were quite happy with getting a point out of the match. Hearts ended with 63% possession, 17 shots, but only three of them on target. You could say the balance of play, Hearts probably should have won some bigger chances in the second half. But I felt really watching it, neither side really looked good enough for on their game to, no. to properly earn three points. No. I really hope Liam Boyce is getting all these misses out of the way now. He's, yeah. missed, uh, he's missed a couple in recent weeks and missed another couple. Doesn't look weekend. confident, does he, in front of goal? No. Seems to be lacking a bit of conviction. No, it was the Hibs game, wasn't it, where he missed um, when one-on-one and he's, he's missed a couple. Yeah, maybe, I'm, I'm trying to think if he's been through a spell like this, got a goal and what, how he's reacted to getting a goal, if he's that type of confidence player. But he's a player in number heights. And that's what I love about him as well. If he makes a mistake, yeah, it's quite—it's fair. I mean, I think you see his two goals. He's what two in like the last um, fourteen, I think it is now, both against Dundee United, and one was an absolute cracking finish on the turn. You know, as the ball came across him, um, and the second was just getting in the right place at the right time. You know, just last week, Um, at the moment, you know, the second chance, especially through one on one. You know, you've heard players say this. It's it's almost cliche now. Players say this when you have to think about it more. You know, you're three one and one. You've got time to take it down, pick your spot. It should be easier, but that's often when it's harder because that's when you start overthinking it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just going through a little spell. I mean, he's still got sixteen goals for the season. It it's maybe going to be a bit of an ask now to get four more to get that twenty mark. But... Rob and Rob Rob will put out a really nice message saying he really hopes that, that most of his records are never beaten, but this is one he hopes he wants to get rid of because Rob was still the last player to score twenty goals in a season for Hearts. Yeah, I mean, no one's ever going to beat his total. Let's be honest; no one's ever going to no, no. be be that prolific enough and stay with Hearts long enough to score the same amount of total goals. So I think that's always going to be safe. Same with his his total against Hibs, but yeah. In a season, you'd like to think at some point someone will get 20. I mean, Lafferty was one goal away from getting that with pretty mediocre Hearts team compared to the current one. So it looks a big ass this season, I think. But you never know. It gets, you know, a, a, a goal at Celtic Park, a couple against Motherwell, suddenly. He's streaky as well. He's just as likely to get two in a game as he is to get none in a game sometimes. Um, to, to, as far as the team's selection is concerned, I think looking at um, at that lineup, I think there's six starters in the cup final. So you're basically playing with five squad players. Um, Civic, Moore, Woodburn, Mackay, Stephen, and Ginelli. Right? One of them, maybe two, might start the cup final. But if everyone's back and available, Halkett's back and if Suter's back, Civic's not getting anywhere near there. Moore's Kingsley not getting anywhere near there. Well. Kingsley to come back there. Um, I doubt Michael Smith will be back. So Natty Atkinson will, will play right wing back. I think he's pretty much got his cup final team. He's, he's probably got nine or ten of them. And, and as you said last week, if Ginelli can go on a good run, he'll give the gaffer food for thought. But I don't think you're well, you're not playing him 
um, ahead of Boyce or Mackay and behind Sims. So this is just about managing the squad. Robbie's comments yesterday, talking about one or two players have got knocks and niggles, just going to manage them. It's an opportunity for the French players, but I think what it's shown, I know Ross County have had a decent season, but they're well coached. They're a team of all right players who are really well coached. And they've probably overachieved what they should do with the players that they have available this season. Whereas teams like Aberdeen and Hibernian uh, and other teams in the bottom six have underachieved based on the players that, that they have and, and the players that are being paid some amounts by Aberdeen and Hibs especially. So credit to Ross County. It's no surprise that Malky McKay is getting linked with better jobs and bigger jobs. But he's done a great job and I hope they do qualify I'd, I'd, I'd for Europe. Them. Well, yes. Anyway, that's for a hips podcast. But look, Hearts at home. I've in, I've enjoyed the games against Ross County up until that one this season. Yeah. The games up there have been have been entertaining. The two all the first one could easily have been more. But if we'd played our our, our first choice side, um, if they were all available, which of course they weren't, then I think we, we would have we would have beaten them. We would have taken care of them. But what I think it's shown is that, and I know it's something we're going to talk about in weeks to come, about squad depth and who we would add. Right now, you take away five of our starters, like I've just said, we've we've not got that much strength and depth yeah. of players that can come in and, and are just an obvious direct replacement for the player that they are uh, taking the place of. And I think that's a big challenge, and it's good that you mention it, because we, we put out there as homework, and we're going to keep it running. We did it a couple of weeks ago. Ryan's actually been working on a team for for us to do as part of this. So we, we asked, how would you prepare this heart squad in terms of who you keep and who you sign? And obviously this is a little bit of fun. You know, we, we don't know that there could be lots of other players out there that, that we don't even know who they are yet abroad or maybe someone coming through an English club, but have a bit of fun with it. How do you get hearts basically to 11s that they can play and do a job next season? Because that's basically what you need. If you're playing at least eight European games. You know, you've got eight midweeks that you'll be playing a, a competitive and potentially very challenging match midweek and then go into a league game at the weekend. You'd need to have two players for every position because fatigue, injuries, little niggles, um, they're going to add up. Suspension as well, if it's a U- European games, you, know, you maybe need to rotate someone around. Um, so... I think ideally that's the simplistic way to look at it is you need two able players for every position, not necessarily two of the exact same quality. You know, we're not, we're not expecting to get a second Craig Gordon, but you need another goalkeeper who can stand in and can at least do a job. And the same goes for every other position. So um, you can tweet one us about thing, that and email us. Well. Yeah. One thing I would say about that, and I was a little bit frustrated to, to read some of the comments after we were linked with Lawrence Shankland. Now, Lawrence Shankland is a player that Robbie Nielsen knows well. He's a player that Robbie, Robbie Nielsen um, inquired about when he was at Dundee United, but was put off by the, the, the price. They pretty much knew that they could get a better or a decent amount if he went abroad because there'd been one or two teams that had made contact with them. Um, but he's a player who it can be a good goal scorer. Like, like, like Liam Boyce, he, he can be streaky. But it's... This, this is when fans just have to kind of not be fans and become supporters, right? So when Benny Benningamy signed for Hearts, reading some of the comments back then, God, who, what are we signing him for? He's always injured, he's hardly ever played. You become experts based on what you read and stats and everything. Just give some people a chance. 
And if Robbie Nielsen feels that Lauren Shankland or whoever is going to be good for them, rather than kind of just immediately your first thought is, God, what are we going for him? That that's it, it must be every fan, right? But I'm only interested in Hearts fans. We're, we're, we're all guilty. We're not just people that are having a go at Lauren Shankland or did it Benny Benningamy. We've all got our favourites or, or not. I remember when Hearts signed David Hagen, Brian Hamilton, all these guys. We haven't even given them a chance. And I'm already saying that's a shocker. What are we signing him for? He's hopeless. That's that's what we do. So now you've got a platform to kind of, not spout, but if Robbie Nielsen thinks Lauren Shanklin would be a good addition to this squad. So what, what happens, right? If, if Lauren Shanklin does sign for Hearts, whether it's for half a million or, or whatever, because if they get relegated to your shot, then they, they don't want to keep him on the board, uh, on the books. So what happens if he comes into Tynecastle, gets off to an absolute flyer? Is it suddenly Johnny Two-Face says, oh, oh, yeah, brilliant, quickly deletes some tweets and social media posts that were posted, never became posts, and then were quickly deleted? Come on, just, we've got a good feeling about the club right now, and we don't want this kind of, it is minority negativity, but come on, just, just think about it. The coach, Robbie Nielsen, and Joe Savage, and his coaching staff, and people behind the scenes, they know far more about signing targets than we do, and I include myself in that, than those of us that just kind of go on soccer way or soccer base and go, oh my God, he's only scored three goals in the Belgian top, blah, blah, blah. Just give people that know their jobs a little bit of time, because they're doing all right, you know? And if Lauren Shanklin time, comes up at Tynecastle, let's not see the shitey comments underneath the, the signing page. Let's, As Scott Wilson says, let's get right behind the team instead of this bollocks of... God, what we're trying to go for him for. Come on, boys and girls. End of round. You get, you get so worked up by it. Just I do, I do. Honestly, I, mean, do, I, I don't know why you get so... Not de- it's not a debate. It's just, people it's, have an opinion if we're going to sign someone. I mean, I would never have, stop someone having an opinion, but come on. Because they've seen his, his, his... What? Well, you might as well just say don't bother having an opinion when we're linked with someone. That's what football is. It's debate and opinion. I can, and, I can dislike opinions. Many yeah. people will dislike some of the some of the, the the stuff I come out with on it. That's fine. I've got no problem. <laughs> I've got a platform here to, to have a rant. So I'm, I'm having a rant. I just think we're in a really good place as a football club right now. But there's always that kind of oh, we've got an opportunity for negativity. Let's find it. Brilliant, great. That's pub chat. Come on, not, not that's what it's all you, about. Come on, I know, I know. I you know, think it may be a good sign? Someone else thinks it'd be a rubbish sign, and then fine. It's just that's, but, that's what it is. Uh, did he? Just, just oh, stop, stop talking sense. Stop talking sense. <laughs> it happens every now and again. Um, anyway, hard to do. You think it'd be a good signing? Undecided. Okay. Undecided. Yeah. Um, uh, my instinct, and I don't, you know, figures are just thrown about. I, I would be surprised if we paid the the figure so that, that they stated. If hypothetically it was that figure, I think that would be too much. Um, I agree, but. As a player, as a he's he's shown before. I think one of the things you have to got to take. I, I I've, I'd be lying if I had any idea about how he's been performing in Belgium beyond, like you said, some of the goal stats. But I, I understand he's been played out wide a little bit. But one thing about that Dundee United side, he was in in the top flight. They were very defensive. Um, he didn't have much to work with. I didn't see much of them, but I know from Dundee United fans I've spoken to, what I read and the games I did see. It wasn't like he was being handed lots of opportunities. They were a very defensive team. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be against it. I think splashing ridiculous amounts of cash would be silly on a player like that. But, yeah, let's just we move on. Let's just move on. We'll see what happens. If he comes, then I think he'll be given 
a fair crack of the whip and hopefully he'll do well. And if he doesn't, <clears> then um, we can just say he would have been shite anyway. We told you so, yeah. Right, let's have a little chat about European football because it's it's coming. It's coming soon. To, to it's coming soon to a, a ground near you in Gorgi, and and we can't wait. So I, I thought we'd we can throw in some European memories um, across the next few episodes, and maybe into the summer as well, because obviously when the season stops, we'll need to fill the void with something. But I wanted to take you back to a game that I remember very fondly from Hearts playing in Europe. Almost 22 years ago now, it was only the second time I'd seen Heart of Midlothian in the flesh in a European game. And this was on the 28th of September 2000 when VFB Stuttgart came to Tynecastle for the second leg of a UEFA Cup match. Now, this game, one thing that does stick out to me, which seems odd to think about now because pretty much every single Cup match kicks off well they all have genetic kickoffs i was going to say 7:45 but i know they've got eight o'clock and they have a few early now but for this game it was at 9 p.m yeah because um the rights were sold to german tv and i lived i lived up in aberdeenshire at the time when i was in school so it was a bit of a late one dad Even driving the sheep are in their that. bed at nine o'clock are they not up in aberdeen <laughs> it's very late so it was a very late kickoff and hearts had only lost the first like one nil a narrow defeat over in Germany and uh, this is a Stuttgart side who before the first leg had defeated Bayern Munich 2-1 as well so um, a decent Stuttgart side and I was looking back at the teams um, before the game especially the the Stuttgart team you had Thomas uh, Hildebrand in goals who went on to win seven German caps and helped Stuttgart win the title in 2007 you probably remember uh, Marcelo Bordon, who mm-hmm. went on to help Brazil win the 2004 Copa America and would actually play against Hearts again four years later, this time for FC Schalke. Um, I would look through and uh, the, the player that I always remember quite well is Krasimir Balakov, who, who actually scored the winner from a free kick in the first leg. He went on to get the best part of 100 caps for Bulgaria, nominated as one of the uh, best players for the 1994 World Cup and twice Bulgarian footballer of the year, a really technically gifted player, the type of player that we didn't see all that often um, coming to Tynecastle, so especially around then. And Sean Dundee was up front, who signed for Liver- from Liverpool for £1 million and uh, was known for Sean Dundee's World Club Football, a 1997 video game. <laughs> and you know who's on the bench? Alexander Hleb. Mm-hmm. How a many Hleb times did he it to Tynecastle? Yeah, how many times did we sign his brother? Oh, dear. Yeah. 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 Times, wasn't it? Constantly, constantly linked, wasn't he? Uh, the away trip this... was good, by the way. Oh, before yeah. we get to the home, like the away trip was good. Um, Hearts fans traveling in numbers, a lot more than had gone to 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 Iceland in the previous. Iceland was was expensive. It was a wonderful trip, but it was weird because it was like an hour of darkness because it's like August in Iceland and it's nearly 24-hour sunlight, so everyone's got their kind of wooden shutters, but Hearts fans that were there just got pissed from when they got there to to when they they left, but it was expensive. Stuttgart was was better uh, as far as beer price was concerned because the Germans know how to do that. 
Um, home of Mercedes. I remember our hotel was close. I think it was next door to a Mercedes dealership. Um, I think it Stuttgart is because it was the Mercedes Benz Arena that we played in, and we were okay. We, we were we're kind of holding on, and then they got a free kick. Balikov scored it. They could have scored a second, but they didn't. But I remember when we came back to to Tynecastle, we we thought we we've got a decent chance. The problem being, we had one or two issues. Um, going into the game, um, we'd lost, we were really poor the Sunday before against Kilmarnock at home. We'd lost by a couple of goals to nil. We had a few injuries at the time. And as a result of these injuries, Kevin James played in defence and Gordon Petrich moved forward, as did Gary Locke, into midfield. So it wasn't ideal for Hearts going into that game against Stuttgart at home. No, a few issues. And I think one of the things that Jeffries did look to capitalise on was to use the height and physicality of yes. Kevin James and obviously Gordon Petrich, uh, who was in midfield, but the threat from he and from Kevin James came from uh, corners and free kicks into the box. So hearts were um, Antonyemi, Gary Locke, Stephen Presley, Grant Murray, Gary Naismith, Kevin James, Gordon Petrich, Colin Cameron, Thomas Flogel, Andy Kirk and Juanjo. And um, it was a it was a cracking atmosphere. It was actually less than fifteen thousand there, but it's funny because I think back. I was in the Roseburn stand for that game, and the Stuttgart fans were in basically section N of the main stand, okay. um, which seems a weird dynamic now. Yeah, but, I um, told you where they sat that night. Yeah, there just, was pl- plenty of them. They made a noise. Yeah, decent noise from them, and um, the game started uh, at a quite a good tempo. Uh, one thing I noticed as well was looking back. I always forget Robbie Nielsen actually came on for only his fourth appearance. In that game. And nearly scored as well. He had a good yeah, chance. Yeah. <laughs> it was only, after, I think he was only been on for three or four minutes. He had a shot. It was a decent opportunity. Just 20 at the time. Um, but the game started at a high tempo. Hearts were really trying to get in the faces of the, the Stuttgart side. Uh, Bordon ought to have, have given Stuttgart the lead on the night, but it missed one of them, particularly a poor miss from a corner kick. Um, but on 16 minutes, this happened. The in-swinger, and it's Stephen Presley. Hearts take the lead, and it's level and low. So this is what we're talking about. Corner coming in uh, from the right, in front of the Roseburn stand. I was just um, in the middle of that stand watching, decent view of it. And Kevin James, six foot seven, up from the back, got the flick on from the Gary Naismith corner. And there was Stephen Presley. To, to knock the ball home from close range um, and give Hearts a real bit of belief at that point, level the tie on aggregate. They didn't know much about Kevin James. That was said by Ralph Raniuk afterwards. Um, I remember speaking to him, and I think I've said this before, he was talking about he thought it was football they were playing, not basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kevin, Kevin James was an unused sub in the first game and, and hadn't played that much. They didn't know too much about him. And he got the flick on, and and it, it caused problems. One of the other issues for Hearts going into that game was that Gary McSwigan had to be on the bench. He wasn't fully fit. He'd, he'd kind of taken a knock um, prior to the game and, and wasn't fit enough uh, to start and actually came on as a as a sub. So we had a few players playing out of position or, or players that wouldn't normally kind of play. And, and they knew... They, they, they knew the the Hearts coaching staff, Jim and Billy, that um, 
that they wouldn't have expected Kevin James to play and wouldn't have known much about him. And that was the time. They made no mistake about that. That wasn't about being pretty. That was about being effective. And, and they, they, had some, they had some good players. I mean, you've mentioned Marcelo Bordon. had strong, powerful players, Thomas Schneider, Silvio Meisner. But they weren't the tallest side. And, and Kevin James did have his way for a while until they worked him out. Indeed, but but Stuttgart's quality started to to show. There was a run by Seitz, who was a bit of a thorn in Hart's side for a lot of that game. He kind of danced through the Hart's defence and cut it back into the area, and it fell a little bit fortuitously to Sean Dundee, who just kind of flicked the ball past Nieme at the near post. Header for Seitz. inside Gary Naismith, it's a good one from Jochen Feitz and Dundee Stuttgart have equalised Hearts couldn't cut it out and the small band of Stuttgart supporters celebrate it's an equaliser with and things went from bad, for, from bad to worse for Hearts 12 minutes into the second half comes the corner kick from Seitz. That was Hosni, did well to squeeze the ball in. And it's Bordon, the Brazilian, who surely kills off heart chops in Europe. So that was that man, Bordon, heading in at the back post. Uh, short corner, uh, ball into the box, and Bordon nods it in from close range. And at that point, Mark, you're thinking, well, that's, that's tied, done and dusted. 3-1 down. Um, on aggregate, there's no coming back into this. Plus away goals. They had yes. a couple, we didn't have any. So everything was in their favour and, and we had nothing to lose and things started to change. They did. And this is, I, I, I've so many fond memories of this game and it's, you know, sometimes you you look at football games and you do appreciate the technical quality or the tactics or the build-up, some nice passing moves. And that's fantastic, it is. But this was one of those games where obviously Hearts had started knowing that Stuttgart were a much better technical side, so they were trying to ruffle them, trying to get in about them, use the height of a few big players to, to cause them problems. But 2-1 down, it was just nothing to lose, let's go for it. And it did become a bit of a kind of just a bit of a, a battle out there. And Hearts just tried to, to create a game that they could maybe get something out of, which was to make it direct, fast tempo, in their faces, physical, and almost immediately after conceding that second goal on the night, Gordon Petrich did this. James trying to shake himself free of his marker. In from Naismith! And Hearts have equalised on the night. And it's Gordon Petrich. The ball was over the line before Balakov pammed it clear. So, ball into the box. Petrich nods it in. You know, the tactics certainly working from Jim Jeffries, but still needing two goals. Um, uh, but they were obviously now uh, level on the night. Um, Hearts continued to look for more goals. Gary McSwagan did come on with 20 minutes to go. Within a few minutes, he was handed a great chance to um, get a goal, but he was hauled back by Meisner. Grabbed by Niemi. McSwiggins after it. Good play from Gary McSwiggins. Surely he was fouled. McSwiggins looks for a penalty kick. He says that was in the box. 
It was McSwiggan against Meisner. He got round him. And now the penalty has been given. The referee, Bruno Derrien, initially thought this was a free kick outside the box. Then he looked across at his assistant. He's now given a penalty kick and it's a sending off. The penalty has been sorted out. But who was the player responsible? It's number two. I think that's what he means by the raising of those fingers. And finally... So there's a bit of confusion about this one because the referee seemed to want a free kick. Assistant said it was a penalty and then the referee red carded the wrong player as well. I had to then correct it, so it was totally manic. But in the end, it was a red card for, for Stuttgart and uh, a penalty kick for Hearts. So back in the game with a big opportunity here. Can Colin Cameron to Hearts back in front on the Knights. Oh, yes, he can. 3-2, but Hearts need another goal. And we're all set for a spine-tingling seven minutes or so. And converted, of course, Mark, by Colin Cameron. And suddenly, from being down and out, obviously needing three goals when Hearts had gone, um, when Hearts had gone behind two-one, now three-two ahead, and still seven minutes plus stoppages. Yeah, but even at that stage, we'd already brought on Nielsen for the injured Gary Locke before the half hour. McSwiggan came on for Kirk. So players that started in a, an unfamiliar position ended up in an even more unfamiliar position because Kevin James ended up pushed further forward. Not so much for the last seven. I think it was I think it was for the last two or three plus any added time. Gordon Petrich moved forward from, from midfield. And people always talk about the Gordon Petrich miss. And, and it, it was a bad one. They had a really good chance as well to, to, to wrap it up, and they didn't take it as well. Uh, the only surprise was that Wayne Hearts nodded themselves, got themselves in front um, to make it 3-2 on the night and, and knew that they needed one more to, to win the tie because it was level at 3-all and they were going through and away goals, Stuttgart. Um, the only surprise was that there weren't more goals, even though there wasn't much time left because there were still a fair few chances in this game. Yeah, I mean, three minutes after the penalty in the first red card, uh, Schneider, who you mentioned before, scythed down Gary Naismith. He got a second yellow. So we've got four minutes left and Stuttgart are now down to nine men. And the game was just frantic. It was just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Hearts were going for a win. And as you mentioned, because of that, they actually still were given Stuttgart chances, even though they had two, two men. And it was just, it was mental. It was frantic. It was end to end. It was open. And it, well, here's what happened. Petrich. This could be interesting. Petrich and James await. In from Wancho, hunched away by Hildebrands. Nielsen. Hearts want to keep themselves onside. They have done. Jasper Petrich! And he's missed it. It is a bad miss, but you look at it and it's... So it's a free kick from uh, following that actual red card, the second one, and it gets knocked into the Stuttgart box comes to Gordon Petrich and I just don't think he realises how much time he's got because he takes it yeah. down and he just catches it on like the half volley and blasts it over the bars which is a difficult one to take like that but he's actually got a few yards of space around him he can just basically control the ball and stop it before 
taking a shot, but he's a centre-back who was an auxiliary midfielder stroke auxiliary striker in that game. So it is, it's one of these, Mark, where unfortunately it gets, it, it gets remembered. It's what, because it was such a big chance for Hearts to record what would have been one of their most famous results in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, centre-back falls to him in the box. It's, it's not the player you want, is it? Well, the way to sum this up, a centre-back playing in midfield as an auxiliary striker for the last few minutes had the chance. It wasn't a Colin Cameron. It wasn't a, a Juan Ho, Juan Joe, call him what you like, a Thomas Flogel. He just lacked composure. And he'd already scored in the game. He's experienced enough. He's, he was the most experienced player on the field, the oldest player uh, wearing a Hearts jersey. So he wouldn't, he'd be way down the list of those you want it to fall to. It's funny, just thinking back to Hart's European moments and, and kind of not so much what-if moments, because let's be fair here, that there are certain moments over the Hart's period of, of time in European competition that, that are always brought up when discussing a certain game. Gordon Petrucci's miss, Mike Galloway's goal in Vienna from what looked like a Walter Kidd offside, um, Ian Ferguson against Bayern, John Colhoun, Colhoun against Bayern at the Olympia Stadion. Um, there, there are just there are certain kind of moments. Look, the, the what if moment in Austria that would, might have knocked us out. The Gordon Petrich moment against Stuttgart might have put us through. That not knowing how the hell to approach the Bordeaux game, having played a three-six-one in the first leg and won by a goal to nil, and Albert Riera scoring from about 40 yards out, or even more longer than that. Um, the Mallorca game, uh, Atletico Madrid, 93-94, I think it was. Just so many little things in, in each of these games. And the one that we all kind of talk about is Maradona potentially being at Tynecastle if, if Hearts had scored over in, in Germany. But um, this one gets talked about a lot. Gordon Petrich scoring, then having the chance to score again late on to put Hearts through. It would have been so typical for Hearts if Petrich had gone and scored and we were 4-2 up going through and then they, they still found a way with nine men to still score and go through and wiggle. That would be very Hearts. Um, but yeah, Petrich, what a chance. Oh dear. Indeed. If you've got any other European um, memories, please do yeah, share. And it can, certain things. It doesn't have to be specific to what happened on the pitch it could be from some trips uh, abroad you know share them with us we, we, we've we've been down this path before but we're, we're going back into europe so it's time to rekindle those memories i think so give us a tweet at around the funnel or email podcast at scarves around the funnel.co.uk i was going to say actually one thing that popped up you know you get you know sometimes you see something you maybe didn't notice before or hadn't noticed for a while um after Colin Cameron scores the penalty in that game against Stuttgart, uh, Andy Kirk goes to get the ball back and just shoves the keeper over, who then tumbles over. And then one of the Stuttgart players thinks, but just kicking Kirk as he goes past, but kind of <laughs> then realizes, yes. He's like, well, I'm yeah. not. I probably shouldn't do that because then I'll get sent off as well. Just one of those little well, things that I enjoyed yeah. seeing. And one of the other member uh, mentions that I, I didn't do and I should have done was that the just the joy. I remember the Slavia Prague game, and I never, I didn't miss kickoff. I nearly missed kickoff in this game, but because of the crowd, they actually shut 
um, the the shed, the turnstiles to get into the shed and, and behind the goal. So we had to go. The Slavia pra- Prague fans were in the main stand that night. I'm sure they were. And we ended up, the only time I've ever seen a game from behind the goal in the terraces where the old away end was. And because we were kind of low enough down, it's difficult to, to gauge how far out something is out from, from goal when you're kind of low down and up the other end of the pitch. So when Hearts got the free kick, Glenn Snowden took it with the 11 minutes to go. We didn't really know how good a chance it was because it wasn't our usual place where we watched the game. We were up the other end of the pitch. Uh, we were low down on the terraces. But what a thundering noise that night. I've still actually got the VHS tape because it wasn't allowed. I don't think Wallace allowed that one to be shown live on TV to try and generate a crowd. Um, late September back in, in 1992, um, more than 16,000 showed up. And what a thunder bastard of a free kick that was in a game that had gone back and forward. But Snowden had the, the final say. So, yeah, look, Mike Galloway's goals in the, in the run in 88-89, in but Glenn Snowden's free kick and Ian Ferguson's free kick were two priceless moments. And I just hope, Laurie, that over the next eight, hopefully more games than eight, that Hearts have at the start of next season, will make more memories of, oh, remember that time that Ellis Sims, and hopefully he stays, or, or Liam Boyce or Barry Mackay did that against whoever. We need new memories for those that can't remember the older memories and are of a certain vintage that it's time to make new ones for them. Okay, this weekend, Saturday lunchtime, it's Celtic against Heart of Midlothian. The good news, Mark, is because Celtic did not defeat Rangers um, last week, they cannot technically win the title against Hearts. I've been to a few title celebrations and parties mm. at Celtic yeah. Park. I mean, like it's pretty much done and dusted and it'll only be a ridiculous goal difference that would prevent them from doing it, but Still, mathematically, it will not be wrapped up on Saturday, even if they do beat Hearts, because Rangers play on Sunday, so Rangers cannot drop points until after this game. Um, it's obviously not a happy hunting ground. 21 matches, the last 21, we've lost 20 and drawn one. We've conceded 60 and we've scored eight. Um, albeit, the one draw we've had over those 21 games was under Robbie Nielsen, a nil-nil draw in September 2015. Last time we've won a league game there, April 2007. Craig Gordon was Hearts captain though. Goals from Eva Skevichus, Andy Driver and Mikael Pospisil. Mark, will we see the first Hearts victory at Celtic Park in just over 14 years, uh, 15 years when it comes to league football? Why not? Seriously, okay, why, okay. Why, why not? I mean, if you can't go there with absolutely no pressure on and play freely against a side that are all right, they're decent. I mean, they deserve to be where they are over the course of a season. They've been the, the best side, whether or not that dictates that their manager gets the PFA manager of the year. And I knew there was a reason Callum McGregor wore a mask. It's a fucking daylight robbery for him getting that decision over Craig Gordon, but that's another story. Um, yeah, if, if, if you can't go there and play with freedom, and just enjoy yourself with no pressure whatsoever. Pressure's all on them, even although they're expected to win the title pretty comfortably eventually. 
still have to get it done. And up against the hard side that are playing for cup final spots and no pressure, why not? Well, when we went there in 2007, I won in the league. They'd, they'd already won the league. Um, they were comfortably top. I think they were something stupid like 22 points ahead of... Uh, sorry, no, 12 points ahead of Rangers, but they were well clear with um, with games to spare. So they had won the league. Thought it had been wrapped up and scored three goals. So stranger things have happened. Um in terms of the team, Stephen Kingsley, Cammy Devlin, Michael Smith, and Aaron McInniff are all potentially in the running. Although I'd be very surprised if all of the, all of those players were involved. Um, Ellis Simmons. No, I'm just saying they're apparently they're all pushing for a place. I think is the term that was used in the evening news um, article. So there, there's a chance they'll play. I'd be surprised if we chucked them all in. Um, with our cup final coming um, Ellis Sims is struggling we maybe we'll try not to risk him for it do you want to make a, a score prediction and a scorer prediction Mark 1-1 one, one, Barry Mackay ok uh, I think we'll lose um, and- you said last week we're not predicting defeats and scoreline defeats on on this podcast because what's the point? So don't don't say what's that. Okay. We all think they'll probably lose. I thought they'd lose it down to United and we ended up winning, but I wasn't predicting a defeat. Yeah. Don't, well, don't I, predict I, a loss. That's shite. This is a hearts podcast. I did say that. Okay. So I have to please don't predict five one hearts either, because that was stupid last week. <laughs> that was for Scott. Um right. You were close, right? You're only six goals out. Uh yeah, I know. By the way, the last time Hearts won in the league at Celtic Park, Larry Kingston was only 46 years old. <laughs> there you go. That's how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 26. Andrew Driver was a teenager. Craig Gordon had celebrated his 24th birthday only three months beforehand. Right. That was a while ago. Come on, give me give me some positives for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, what? You're struggling. Well, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to relate it to my dream, but the only way I can do that is either I predict Jesus. us getting pumped, or I predict that Craig Gordon is going to score a header <laughs> late on. Um, never know. Up for a corner, one 0 down. Uh, okay, let. I suppose I might as well just be ridiculous and predict that it will emulate the class of 29th of April 2007, and we'll win three one. Um, for absolutely no reason whatsoever other than why the hell not 3-1 hearts and on this score sheet will be um, who scored that day I'm, t- I'm trying to link it somehow well we don't have a Lithuanian playing for us because Eva Skevich is Pospisil and driver about the goals uh, let's... an Englishman no, let's... Andrew Driver scored a nice free kick. Stephen Kingsley's going to whip a free kick in. There we go. Kingsley's going to score. Hearts it would be, it, it would be so Rangers that if that happened, Rangers would then drop points on the following day. Yeah. I hope they, good, good luck to them, by the way, on, on Thursday, because that could have a, a lot of implications from a Hearts perspective. Uh, positive ones. If, if Rangers can somehow get through against Derby Leipzig, yes. that would be a wonderful result from a Hearts perspective. It would ahead of a cup final and, and goodness knows what else. So we're, we're I, I'm very, I don't mind Scottish teams. I always want them to do well in Europe, but specifically and especially this Thursday, 
because them going into a, a cup final against Hearts, puggled, having put everything to that, oof, yes, please. Indeed, and I spoke to someone before the game and I said, yeah, if they if they lose, you know, they'll be on a downer. But then his um, opinion was, but maybe even better if they win, because if they win, they'll be on the lash, they'll be celebrating a European <laughs> trophy, but who, who cares about Scottish Cup final? Scottish Cup final means nothing now, we just won the Europa League. <laughs> Which is a good point, actually. And, and, they would, point. and they would be, and they would be in the Champions League group stage, seeded in pot one with Celtic in pot four if they won the Europa League. So Celtic's bragging rights. Well, they even turn so, up what, to Hamden if that happened. <laughs> that's the thing. Look, Hearts. You know what? Have it. Enjoy yourselves. We've got this big shiny thing. Like, of, of, of course they would. Um, and I mean, there was really sad news today, Laurie, about Jimmy Bell. Um, who any Hearts fan that's, that's ever watched a game either on TV or has been at Ibrox or, or Celtic, uh, Celtic Park or, or Tynecastle, um, he, he, I think he drove the bus as well, as well as being their kit man and, and sadly died earlier today. So mm-hmm. if they could give him a, a, a kind of um, a fitting performance on Thursday and go through, it just, it, it would just, it would be great for Scottish football that, that, the coefficient's already been raised high enough. And you can say what you want, but only want Hearts to do well. If Celtic and Rangers had been shite in Europe over the past 10 years, Hearts would not be playing eight games in the group stage, right? So I, I get, I'm not, I'm not going to kind of go down the, uh, the Lawrence Shankland argument um, once again, but um, it's each to the own, whether you want or you don't want Scottish teams to do well. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to support Hibs, for example, if they're playing in Europe and you're a Hearts fan. Um, but, I, I think at least you have to to kind of appreciate that over the past ten years, well, over the past five, because the coefficients to the last five years, the the performances in Europe of Celtic and Rangers have, have been huge for our, our coefficient. Have helped Hearts and, and Hearts fans are now going to get at least four trips because of that, and then Hearts can help other teams in the future by performing well in Europe, and and hopefully we can get more guaranteed spots in Europe as far as where we begin the competitions is concerned rather than teams involved. So, yeah, it would be a, it would be a win-win, a Rangers win um, on Thursday night in Europe and then hopefully a Hearts Scottish Cup win against a, a side that's absolutely puggled. Sounds good to me. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about what happened at Celtic Park and, yeah, maybe maybe some more European memories and, yeah, get in touch with us if you have any you'd like for us to discuss over the next few weeks. If you want to have uh, your say on the potential Hearts squad for next season, some suggestions on potential signings Hearts could add to the mix. Um, or if you have any good Hearts dreams that you've had, you can get in touch and let us know uh, by tweeting at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Scarves Around the Funnel.